For many years, my in-laws, a blessed memory, Jill's parents uh, used to live in a beautiful little gated community in Florida called Boynton Beach. The little area was called Majestic Isles, and it was essentially made up of uh, retirees from Long Island, Westchester, New Jersey. It's a whole world of shuffleboard, mahjong games, early bird specials. And over the years, I got to know some of the older people living there. And it was fascinating because even though most of the residents of Majestic Isles were Jewish, most were not personally religious, but all were very identified, proud Jews. The men often walked around the pool with these big high necklaces, the women often speaking to each other in Yiddish. But then one after the next, when I would get into conversations with them about their children and about their grandchildren and where they were Jewishly, there was this huge disconnect. One after the next, I would hear how this one intermarried, that one married out of the faith, this one married Jewish but has little or nothing to do with the Jewish community. There was one Holocaust survivor who said to me with tears in his eyes that he had a 35-year-old son who lived in New York City, but since he had married out, his own grandchildren were not Jewish. How do we understand this huge gap between parents who are so viscerally connected to Judaism, speaking to each other in Yiddish, wearing the chayin and, you know, mugging Davids around their necks, and just like, you know, good bubbies and zaydis, and their children and their grandchildren who are so disconnected. And I believe that there is a hint in the Parsha that we just read this past week, Parshat Emor. When God tells Moses, he says to them, speak to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, he says, Emor el Kohanim, b'nei Aaron and say to them, l'nefesh lot To a dead person, to a corpse, you should not defile yourself. And then the next 16 verses continue on with all the details, rules, and laws of the life of the Kohen. The Kohen can marry this person, but can't marry this person. The Kohen should not come into contact with the dead. No philosophy. And it's interesting because you would think after God tells Moshe, Emor el ha-kohanim, tell the Kohanim. And Rashi picks up on the double language. Emor el ha-kohanim, tell the Kohanim va'amarta aleim, and say to them. Why both? Why, why double language? So Rashi tells us, Lahazir gedolim al haktanim, to instruct and to warn the parents to teach their children. But what were the Kohanim teaching their kids? There doesn't seem to be any philosophy or any kind of ideology about you know how special it is to live the life of a Kohen. Right? All it talks about is the details of not coming into contact with the dead, not marrying these people. All the instructions were all behavioral and informative. There's no hashkafa, as we say in Hebrew. There's no philosophy that our that parents are told to teach their kids. And it's interesting because in general, Judaism seems to be this way. Judaism doesn't really offer up much in the way of ideology and philosophy, at least in the Torah. Okay, we have great sages and rabbis, or you can come to a class, read a book, and get some nice ideas behind the mitzvot. But the Torah itself is really just a book of do's and don'ts, of what we should do to be connected to Hashem and what we should refrain from doing so we're not disconnected from God. And 
I always wondered, and you know, and and some people are turned off by this. Like, where, Rabbi, where's the philosophy? I'm a I'm a thinking rational adult. But then it dawned on me: what is transferable to the next generation? Ideas, philosophy, even emotions and sentiment are very hard to pass on to the next generation. But you know what successfully does get passed on to the next generation? Behaviors, actions, lifestyle, right? That can be passed on. Philosophy and theology are important, but without a lifestyle surrounding it, without the mitzvot, there's just no way for the next generation to pick up on this. And that helps me understand how someone who's so identified with being Jewish, has such a strong Jewish identity, who proudly wears their chai necklace around their neck, or speaks Yiddish, is unable to transmit that love and that sentimentality for Judaism that they clearly have to their own children and to the next generation, their grandchildren. You see, mitzvot are not simply commandments. Mitzvot are practical ways that we can transmit values to the next generation without preaching. Anyone who's listening to this, watching this, that has children knows exactly what I'm talking about. Kids often ignore what we parents say to our children, but they often mimic what we do. Kids pay careful attention to what their parents do and what they don't do, and often just block out whatever it is their parents are saying because they know talk is cheap. But if their parent is walking the walk, which is interesting because that is the Hebrew word for halacha, Jewish tradition, what we do, our behaviors as Jews. Halacha means to walk. Jewish law is the way we walk. That's how we transmit the next generation, not by preaching or lecturing, but by walking and by acting and living in a certain kind of way. I remember years ago, I had a donor who called me up for... MGE's address to be able to send him his yearly donation. And about an hour later, this 11, 12-year-old kid shows up with a check from his father. And I realized the father sent over a check and I thanked him. I sat with the boy for a few minutes, very sweet kid. And I called the father afterwards and I said, it was so nice you sent your son over, but you know, you could have just put it in the mail. And the father said, I know I could have done that, but I want my son to give charity like I do. And the only way I know, to the best of my ability, that he'll do that one day, is if he's involved in it himself and if he sees me doing this. You know, we can preach to our kids all we want. We can tell them how important it is to go study Torah and to learn and to give charity, but if they see their parents, who are as busy as they are running out to a Torah class in the middle of the week, or reaching, digging deeper into their pocket to help somebody in need, that's going to make an effect and that's going to transmit and transfer to the next generation. Mitzvot are the way we communicate our most cherished beliefs and ideals. We convey our belief that God created the world. I can tell my children God created the world, but if I observe Shabbat and then we make the Kiddush and we do all these rituals which express our belief in a God of creation. We transmit the Jewish value of gratitude by reciting blessings before and after we eat. You can tell your kids to be grateful or they can see you reciting a blessing. We give over the Jewish trait of being open to others by opening up our homes, hachnasat orchim, to guests. We convey our belief that God responds to the cries of his people by celebrating the holiday of Passover. Sit around the Seder, it makes, a, it makes an impression that God gave us the Torah 
We observe Shavuot coming up. God protects and sustains us. We could tell our kids, we could tell other people, God is there to protect us. But if you leave the comfort of your home for a week and go out into this little hut on the holiday of Sukkot, that's going to make a much more lasting impression. The power of speech and the idea that what we say in life matters is transmitted through the laws of Lush and Hara and the Jewish values of humility and modesty are not transmitted by telling other people to be humble and modest but by dressing more modestly and by not showing off how much money we make or, you know, a different part of our body. We just live that way. And that makes a great impression. I always say that on Hanukkah, you can sit around and talk about the Maccabees and how they heroically fought off the Greeks, or you can light a menorah. When you light that candle, somehow it triggers something off. Mitzvot are vital for continuity. And also, if they're approached correctly, they can shape us in a way that nothing else can. And we will then make Judaism even more attractive to others. There was a woman who used to come to MJE years ago, and she was a physician, and I asked her what inspired her to look more into her Judaism. And ultimately, she became observant. She said it was something in medical school. When they brought out the cadavers, she said that everyone, all the medical students, were very respectful in the beginning. And then as time went on, people just, I don't know, started becoming a little more callous and just regular around the, um, the cadaver, except for this one young man who never spoke idle chatter for the entire year when they were around uh, the, the corpse, the cadavers. And when she learned that his extra special sensitivity was inspired by his religiosity, that he had studied when he went to yeshiva, when he went to Jewish school about the concept of kavod ames, of the respect that we give the deceased, that inspired her to want to look deeper into her Judaism. She saw that it was the Torah that imbued this young man with the sensitivity that he displayed, because mitzvahs have the power to shape us, because their actions, talk is cheap, and what we do in life matters. And of course, we need to know why we're doing what we're doing, but what really makes an impact often on each other, and certainly the next generation, is other people seeing what we do. And this is my blessing to all of us, that if we want, and there are no guarantees in life, of course, but if we want to know that whatever it is that we hold dear in our hearts, that the Judaism that means so much to us will one day also mean a lot to our kids and our grandchildren, then we will be as devoted as we can, not to talking about it or thinking about it, but by engaging in activities and getting ourselves into a certain routine. We don't like that word habit. It sounds so mundane and monotonous, but it's the habits that develop us into the people we are. And it's the habits that allow us to be seen by others in a certain way. And ultimately, those mitzvah habits, if you will, are what transmits our greatest and most cherished values to our children, please God, our grandchildren for many years to come. Thank you for listening.